0: Let's turn in our Bibles to page 14, Genesis 18. Abram and Sarai have been promised a son. Through that son, many nations would come into the family and a seed would be born. Well, they are 99 and 89. Sarah is infertile. They have no children. And then God comes to visit. Genesis 18, page 14. We'll read 1 through 15. And the Lord appeared to him, to Abram, by the oaks of memory. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. And then Luke 1, 26 through 38. If you turn to page 1016... Where that phrase, nothing is too hard for the Lord, or with God, nothing is impossible, comes up again. Luke 1, 26 through 38, and you'll find that on page 1016. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's just God's word. May we truly be blessed by it and our faith built. Brothers and sisters, do you, do you remember... When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, Jesus called him to let go of everything in his life and follow him. That rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, remember what he said afterward? You got it? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle to take a giant camel, let's go for a two-humped camel, and stuff it through a little sewing needle eye. That's easier than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Of course, the point was, this is a rich man of the covenant. Rich men were considered to be closer to God than anybody else. So if that's true for him, it's true for everybody, as Jesus pointed to the disciples. So the disciples say, well, then who can be saved? Like we must well give up. And do you remember what Jesus answer was. For man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Christmas message cuts man's power down at the knees. That's why the world's offended by the truth of Christmas. They don't mind the outward trappings, especially if it makes us a little money. But the message that there's no salvation unless God comes down in the form of a human being, that there's a miraculous invasion from heaven, That's the only way that our problem can be solved. How offensive that a way of salvation that's impossible for man is required. We're still thinking that through climate action and medicine and social engineering and education and other human means, we can fix this place. And God's answer continually in the way that Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah when they were old. And the way John the Baptist was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth when they were old. And even in a far greater way, the way Jesus Christ was born to a virgin, conceived and born to a virgin, the whole point of God is Salvation is impossible from below. It must come from above. And that's the good news of Christmas. What's impossible for man to do from below? God, in His great love, God, with whom all things are possible, has provided the way and that's the impossible news that came to Mary. And that's what we want to see this morning. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mary receives the announcement of an impossible task for an impossible child. And she's going to be the humble maid servant of the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The angel Gabriel comes with news of a child who's going to be given an impossible task. Verse 26 and 27 really summarizes in quick words, a quick uh, sentence, the setting of this good news. In the sixth month, the sixth month of Elizabeth's Miraculous pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now there's a ton of stuff packed in there. But the upshot is this. What an unlikely candidate for God to choose his, to bring his son, the savior of the world, To earth. Mary is such an unlikely candidate. Martin Luther wrote God could have gone at least to Jerusalem and picked the beautiful daughter of the high priest Caiaphas. She was rich. She was well dressed in gold embroidered robes. She was cared for by a long line of maids in waiting. She was protected by security guards. That was the safe and the best and the most dignified place for God to go in in Israel. But God didn't. Where'd He go? God went far away from the center of power. He went to Galilee. That's a backwoods province of Israel. It was nicknamed Galilee of the Gentiles, even the Bible uses that word. It was contaminated by butting up against Gentile territory. It wasn't safe. If any good Jew would visit there, he'd certainly have to wash before he went home again. Yuck, Galilee. And not only that, basically a no-name town in that Galilee. Nazareth, more like a hamlet. Considered good for nothing. You remember what Nathanael said later when Jesus met him? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You're from Nazareth, Jesus? Speaking to one of the other disciples, can anything good come from Nazareth? And that's the candidate God chose. A virgin from Nazareth in Galilee? Galilee? And we know very little about this virgin. She's kind of a no-name person. Betrothed to a man from the house of David whose name was Joseph. Her cousin is Elizabeth, the wife of a priest, so she might be from the tribe of Levi. We're not sure. But she's clearly unimportant, insignificant, a lowly lady from nowhere... And God is going to enter the human race, going to come down from heaven to earth through this lady in this place. Yes, the life of the Son of God in human flesh didn't start in Bethlehem. You know that. He was born there. But he was conceived in Nazareth. That's where he spent the first eight or so months of his life before they started making the trek to Bethlehem. God didn't come just for the rich and for the upper class people of God. He came to live a lowly life, a man of sorrows. Already there Nazareth, lowly maiden, and then Bethlehem, a little town, and the manger we see the sign of the cross. That Jesus isn't coming to live the high life to be served. He's coming down to the lowest to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And it's a reminder to each of us that Jesus Christ is available for both high and low, rich and poor, worthy and unworthy. He came for you. And if anyone thinks that he or she this morning is too low for the Lord, I've just gone too far. I am too dirty. My life is so covered with shame Jesus is going to go lower yet to the cross, disgusting cross, a curse and a thing of shame. You're not so low that Jesus didn't come lower. He's not ashamed to live in Nazareth and a lowly lady. That's where he made his start. So Gabriel came to her, Mary, and said, verse 26, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Okay, Gabriel didn't say, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Roman Catholic prayer. That's not what the Greek says. As though God came to her because she was such a good lady and so full of grace, she's worthy. No, 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 that's not what it means. It means, Mary, God has sent me to you because he wants to show you his grace. You are favored. Was to sh- not because you're full of grace, but because he wants to show you his grace. Has nothing to do with any grace that's in her and everything to do with the grace that's in God, the favor that he shows to the unworthy. That's what this visit is about. Isn't that the reason he chooses any one of us for salvation? whether it's Mary for that high and honorable task of carrying the Son of God into the world, that's the highest blessing any woman has ever been given, whether it's Mary chosen for that or you chosen for salvation and for some task, any task in the kingdom, it's because of God's favor. The focus, brothers and sisters, should not be on Mary's exaltation. She And the Magnificat coming up exalts God. I rejoice in God my Savior. The focus should not be on Mary's elevation. Because now suddenly we have to sort of rise to that level. No, no, no. The focus is on God's dissension or condescension. God's coming down. And that's a huge encouragement. That's good news for sinners. Now Mary can't believe what's going on. She thinks, an angel, judgment day. I'm in trouble. That's what verse 29 says. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. But Gabriel reaffirmed God's grace to her and love for her. And the angel said to her, verse 30, don't be afraid. Fear not, the angel said to Zechariah. Fear not, the angel said to Joseph, Matthew 1. Fear not, the angel said to the shepherds. Fear not, the angel said to Mary, because they're all quaking with fear. But God has come on a salvation mission. That's what Christmas is about. He's come on a salvation mission. And that's what He says to us. Don't be afraid. God has come to save you. Come to him. Believe in him. Give your life to him. Because his second coming will be a coming to judge those who have not believed. But now's the time, instead of running from him, running to him, fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then Gabriel announces this shocking, impossible news. How God's going to show favor to her. She is God's chosen mother to bring his son into the world as a human being. And what a son. Look at verses 31, 32, and 33. All these impossible things. First, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, meaning Savior. Savior. We know from the Bible what that means. He'll save his people from their sins. That means he's going to take your sin on himself and God's wrath for your sin and judgment and all your shame and make it his own so that you could receive release from God's judgment, release from your guilt and all your sins. And instead, you could rise and go to heaven and be with God. You shall call his name Jesus. Second impossible thing, he will be great. What does that mean? Great means doing the great works of God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. How great are his works and unsearchable. Great in wisdom, power, love, and holiness. Great in the fear of God. Great. Great. Third, he'll be the son of the most high. The kings in the Old Testament are called sons of the most high. He's going to be the son. Different in kind than all the sons, the kings of the Old Testament. Son, the son of the most high. Not fallen, not failures like them. Not sinners like them, but perfect. Loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Perfectly. in intimate fellowship with God as his Father. Son, the Son of the Most High. Fourthly, given the throne of his Father. Is this the Messiah? The promised Messiah that we've been looking for? God swore an oath to David, 2 Samuel 7, I will send a son who will sit on your throne forever. And that's the next impossible thing. Number five, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. You mean a king that's not going to die? Yes. And number six, whose kingdom will have no end. You mean greater than Rome? Yes. Yes. Impossible. This is an impossible task for this child who is going to enter her womb, be conceived in her womb and from her. A king who will live and reign forever. Not a tyrant and a dictator, but a savior king. You know, when you have a good government, they end too quickly. When you have a government, they stick around too long. A bad government. But here's the best of all worlds. A good government that will never end. Perfect mercy, perfect justice, perfect love, perfect peace. Oh, Mary, that's a lot of stuff to think about before breakfast. That's the news she got. Well, the next comes the next impossible thing. Verse 34 the Impossible child. Mary said to the angel, But how will this be since I'm a virgin? Like, this is not normal. This will take something very out of the ordinary for this word of God actually to happen because I'm a virgin. And then through Gabriel, God God tells Mary exactly how this is going to happen. That she, a virgin, will conceive and bear a son. The angel answered here, verse 35. Don't you love this sentence? All the three persons of the Trinity, the Godhead are in it. The Holy Spirit will come upon you And who is he? He's the power of the Most High. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Don't you love that word, overshadow? God's Spirit dwelt in the Old Testament in the form of a glory cloud that would come and overshadow the people and enter the tabernacle and then the temple and then the Mount of Transfiguration, God's glory cloud came and overshadowed Peter, James, and John. Well, God's glory cloud, Holy Spirit, is gonna come and settle upon Mary, enter her womb. It's gonna take from her DNA, from her chromosomes, and form a child. But what about the missing chromosomes? Because only half of them can be Mary's. The Holy Spirit's gonna supply them, not a human male figure. The Holy Spirit's gonna supply them by a great miracle, the virgin conception, impossible. But all things are possible with God and that's the way God is gonna actually enter the human race. And not only become part of the line of David because of Mary's betrothal to Joseph, the son of David, legally enter the line of the kings, but become become a son of Adam and Eve, entering the fallen human race as a sin bearer, though he himself never sinned. And he'll be called holy, the son of God. And when you see this description, you say, oh, the wisdom and power of God. That's exactly the fix. Because in order to save the human race, we, we need somebody that's impossible, that he's divine, fully God, to carry the weight of the infinite wrath of God to carry that, to handle that and come out alive on the other side. You got to be divine. And yet he's got to become one of us, enter our race and take our place and bear our judgment and guilt. He's got to become fully one of us. And yet he's got to be sinless or else the offering he brings for sin in his own body and soul won't be Perfect, and then God will throw that offering away. It won't be acceptable. So he's got to be perfect. He's got to be divine, true God, true man, and perfect man. And this is how God does it. And so he'll be called holy, the Son of God, sinless, Son of the Most High, Child of the Virgin. Holy, sinless. How can it be? Nothing is too hard for the Lord, congregation. Nothing will be impossible with God. It's the bedrock of the doctrine of creation and salvation. If you look at your own existence with the incredible complexity of every single one of the 30 trillion cells in your body, it's impossible. Only an almighty, infinitely wise, and absolutely good God could do such a thing. While the same is true for salvation, who can redeem the human race so entrenched in sin, so depraved, so bent on doing wrong? so impossible to fix. Jesus said, remember, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of an needle than for a sinner to enter the kingdom of God. Who can be saved? Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Well, it's great encouragement and hope The virgin conception and birth, Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. Abraham laughed too, by the way. We read that in the earlier chapter, Genesis 17. At the impossible child, God promised them when he was 99 and she was 89. But God said to them, nothing's too hard for the Lord. And then they laughed again. When the word of the Lord proved true and a year later, there's a little baby, Isaac. And they name him Laughter Isaac. Now they're laughing, laughing at their own unbelief and at God's amazing power and salvation because now the promise of the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed through whom all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed, now that promise has a fighting chance because there's a baby. And then that child won't be Isaac, but... Isaac's great 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 grandson born of Mary Jesus Christ well we have the same for Zechariah he's praying so Abraham and Sarah have been praying for a baby and then God comes and announces going to happen and they laugh Well, there's Zechariah in Israel. They're praying at the temple for Messiah to come, for God to do a great work of salvation. The Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, your wife's going to have a baby. Zechariah says, no, that can't be. How often we pray and pray, and then when God says it's going to happen, we don't believe him. We don't believe him. We limit the power and willingness of God in our minds. Do we really expect Him to do great things for us? Do you really? One author wrote If God could perform the miracle of the virgin birth, then He's quite capable of handling the difficulties of our daily lives. There's no sin He cannot forgive, no relationship He cannot restore. No problem he cannot resolve. No need he cannot meet. No ministry he cannot bless. No grief he cannot comfort. No life he cannot reclaim. No sinner he cannot save. It may seem impossible to endure the suffering that has come into your life. It may seem impossible for someone you love to come to Christ, but nothing will be impossible with God. And maybe you've given up praying for somebody. You decided he's a lost cause. You decided she's a lost cause. Maybe you've given up praying for your marriage or praying for your family or praying for your neighbor. You've decided it's not worth the effort. Nothing can be done. Let the true Christmas story remind you of the truth. Nothing will be impossible for God and revive you in your hope and faith and love, and stir you up to pray again, and stir you up again to seek the Lord's blessing, change, and power in your life, while Mary's response is so wonderful, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, she's a humble maidservant, no laughing, No questioning, no complaining, no objections, just faith. What what is faith? It's taking God His word. Let it be to me according to your word. Okay, I get it. Nothing's impossible for you, so it's going to work, and you're going to do it. I love that the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. She's not seen the baby, but she believes he's coming because she believes the Lord's word and she believes she's gonna carry him. He's gonna be conceived in her womb. So that's faith, taking God in his word and then faith is also secondly offering yourself to the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord, let it be to me. Yep, I'll be the one. Take me, use me for your glory. I'm yours, do with me what you please. I will serve you. My life is safe with you. Oh. So God called her and Mary said, yes. Some of the great heroes of the faith tried to wiggle out of God's calling. Moses, I'm too shy. Gideon, I'm too weak. Jeremiah, I'm too young. Mary, I'm your servant. So yes, the greatest honor ever given to a woman, blessed to be the mother of Jesus, but it also meant great suffering. Simeon told that to Mary because of this child, this sword's gonna pierce your soul. It was a life of suffering. Her son's the man of sorrows, but she was a woman of sorrows. She had to risk losing Joseph, who would no doubt want to leave her when he found out that she was pregnant, not with his child. She had to do her gossip and bullying about being pregnant out of wedlock. You say, Well, you made that up. Well, no, no. In the book of John, the people make fun of Jesus. The Pharisees say, Well, at least we're not born of fornication. The stories went around, they weren't true. Mary had to endure the journey to Bethlehem, the rage of Herod, the flight to Egypt, and as Jesus grew up, she had to deal daily with the opposition he faced. In the end, she had to endure his arrest, trial, torture, and crucifixion. And though she didn't know all that the future held, she gave herself to it, to the Lord. Whatever it holds, she consented to a lifetime of suffering for the glory of God. She trusted God, she rejoiced in God, rejoiced in Jesus as her savior, and offered her life to God's plan and purpose. And we're not called to worship Mary or venerate her, but we do call her blessed, and we should imitate her faith. It's not Mary, that's great. But her faith is great because she believed in a great God. And that's what God's calling us to do as we read this passage. God, what you say we will do, where you send we will go. Faith is God's gift. It's part of the favor that he showed to Mary that she believed so readily and fully and devoted her life to Christ, but are you praying for this gift in your life? Maybe... You don't want that gift because of what it might bring to you. If I believe in Jesus and devote my life to him, that might cost me. And yet not to give your life to him is destruction. He who tries to preserve his life will lose his soul. But he who gives his life to Jesus... Loses his life for Jesus' sake. Gains life, eternal life. Do you pray for this faith that takes God at his word and give yourself to be his servant and wherever he's calling you, whatever he's telling you. And maybe you're just having a hard time believing the gospel and the power of God. Do you pray for the gift of faith? You pray for the gift of faith in your children and in your loved ones and in your neighbors. And maybe you are struggling in your faith right now. You feel like a hypocrite. You feel mediocre. You feel wishy-washy. You feel uncertain. You feel like you're taking grace for granted. This is the time to pray for the strengthening of your faith. Lord, help me to get closer to you. Give me a faith like Mary. Help me to trust your word. Help me to give my life to you. Help me to be more confident in you. And God will hear and answer your prayer. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing will be impossible with God. That's the takeaway from the coming of Christ. Nothing is impossible with God. Will you trust him in your life? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us again in the Christmas story that the help of man is vain. For man, salvation is impossible. But nothing will be impossible for God. Stir us up to faith again and hope and love and see again. You are the God who does the impossible. Give us faith to trust in your son and give our lives to him like Mary did. Give us faith, Lord, to believe, to pray, to seek you. And so may we go forward in the strength of the Lord and rejoicing in God our Savior, amen.